Isn't it encouraging to hear what God's doing at the, at the high school? I think it's fantastic. I really do. Your giving actually helps us to, to do that. It's as a part of your giving that we support the minister's fellowship that uh, actually helps to contribute towards what Naomi is doing in the, in the high school. So thank you for your continued giving. It's, uh, it's seeing results in the lives of young people that need to know that there's a hope. Amen? Okay. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that you're here by your spirit. And there are things that are burning within me and there are things that are like, wanting to be like launched uh, this morning. I feel like I'm... Uh, a champagne bottle about to pop its cork. Uh, I feel like that there's this floodgate that needs to open up out of my spirit, out of my heart. But I know that it's from your heart and it's from your spirit that you're wanting to say these things this morning. Father, help me to get through this in a way that honors you, a way that uh, blesses your heart and sees transformation and, and lights come on in your people today. I pray that you, by your spirit, would do an incredible thing in and all through us. Lord, I just pray that in Jesus' name this morning. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I'm not going to guarantee that I'm going to get through this in one piece, but you know what? It's cool. I'm good for that too. Um, It's about what God wants, and I'm up for what God wants. So um, bear with me. Bear with me. So this morning I'm going to be continuing on with the the series that we're doing. Uh, The series is called Why. Okay? It's a a great, great series uh, sermon title, if you like. Um, I felt it, it came out of, has come out of questions that I've had in myself, questions that I, uh, I want to ask God. And this series I'm going to suggest to you this morning about uh, the why questions, uh, I'm probably not going to answer your why question. Okay, you're going to probably say to me, well, why didn't you uh, do a... Me- why, why do we have to actually uh, love our enemies instead of just punch them out? I mean, you know, it's just sometimes, you know, that, that's not what I'm going to answer for you today. I'm sorry. That's not one of the questions I'm here to answer. Maybe. Some of the hardest questions to ever answer are the why question. There's so many things that we could ask. There's so many questions that we have in our hearts. I think life sometimes is one big question mark. And, you know, things happen, things get said, things get done. We do things, we say things sometimes, and we're just thinking, why? What's happening in the world today? What's happening with my life? And it's almost like they've got this whole thing, why, 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 why? It's, you know, and sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm a kid myself, you know, um, just standing before God saying, why, 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 why? You know, it's, it's just, I guess, one of the things that we're needing to work through. Today I want to look at a question that I think that many of us have asked at one point. This question has arisen uh, for a number of reasons in people's lives. For me personally, this question has come about as a result of a time in my life where I failed, where I had fallen short of God's standard, where I saw myself all the things that I couldn't do, what I got wrong, how I didn't measure up. This question may have come out of something completely different for you. It may come out of simple curiosity. You're wanting to to know why. And that question is this. Why does God love me? Why does God love me? Why does God love us? What does God see in us that he loves so much, is worth so much, and actually costs so much? 
What does God see that we don't see that causes him to love us? This is one of the most profound questions I think that we could ever ask. And I don't think that anyone could sufficiently answer this question. In fact, I don't believe the Bible actually answers this question. I don't think there's a spot in the Bible where you can go to and it says, this is why God loves you, and then it says, duh, 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 duh. I don't think there's a spot that I, can, I know of, and I'm, I'm open to correction on this. If you can find that spot and point me to it, praise God, that'll help me with the next part of this message. <laughs> but I don't think that there is. The truth is we will never fully understand the love of God, I believe. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, it says, may, Paul says, May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. There's a part of us that wants to know about the love of God, but there's a part of the love of God that's just way out of our frame of reference. It's out of our understanding. It's something that we are never going to be able to uh, comprehend in a finite body the infinite capacity of God and his love. All we can do is look at God, who he is, and then give the reason that we believe that God loves us. But there's nothing specific in the Bible, I don't think, that actually says why God loves us. So before I actually answer this question of why does God love us, I think that it's important for us to know that God does actually love us. That there's some part of us that may have a question about the love of God. So the question I'm, uh, I'm going to just work through you know, for this little bit is, like, does God love us? Does, you know, in knowing why God loves us, does he love us in the first place? Well, I think that the Bible actually does tell us that God loves us. It says in John 3.16, famous, well-known passage of Scripture it says, God loved the world so much. God loved the world. God loved the world. That word, uh, it means us, people, mankind, humankind, men, women, children. That's who God loves. He loves people so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, it says, Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. So the answer to the question, does God love us, is very categorically, emphatically, yes. God has actually been pursuing us from the beginning of time, before the beginning of time. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 to 5, out of the message translation, it says this. It says, long before you laid the earth's foundations... He had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love. I love that, that, that passage. I love that, that scripture. He, before the beginning of time, it was in God's heart that people would be the absolute focus of his love. Not anything else. It was his people, his people, the, the world that we live in that is going to be the focus of the love of God. His love is directed at and pursuing and focused upon us. Does God love us? Yes, 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 God loves us. 1 John 4 verses 11 to 12 says, Dear friends, since God loves us that much, we surely ought to love each other. 
No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his, his love is brought to full expression in us. See, there's a, there's a part of God's love that can only be completed in you and I loving other people. There is a circle, for instance, where God's love, though as magnificent and huge as it is, can only find full expression as is expressed by us as we love other people to complete the circle. If God loves us, surely we ought to love those around about us, those that we work with, that we play with, the ones that we don't like. The ones that we don't like. Surely the love of God compels us to love others just as God has chosen to love us. Scripture implies that we, if we've come to realize that God loves us and his love is in us, then it's only when we love others, no matter who they are, no matter what they believe, no matter what color their skin is, no matter if they live a lifestyle that is different from us and, uh, and scares us or frightens us or, or it makes us cringe about the way that they might live. These are the people that we are called to love. It doesn't matter what they smell like or the level of, of, of depravity that their lives may be in. These are the people that we've got to love. And it's God's love that comes full circle when we're able to do that. Because God loves us, we can love other people. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to challenge you to the core in this message. I'm challenged myself. I, I sat down from Friday through, right through, and I, I mean, I was up this morning working on this message still. And I was challenged to my core in putting this together. Because as much as I challenge us as a people, I challenge myself. This is not something I'm saying, all oh, you guys need to do. No, this is something I want to do. This is something I want to engage with my community in, in loving them unconditionally. So I hear some people say, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know how dirty I am, how dark my heart is, you, how much people hate me or despise me. You don't know the bad things that I've done in my life. God could never love me. So the question we might have then is, we don't have to be good, or do we have to be good for God to love us? So I've got, you know, is this the, the sort of God that I can, um, he'll only love me if I'm a good person? Well, let me tell you, let me, I'll put this one to bed, okay? God doesn't love you because you're lovable or because of anything that you've done to deserve his love. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says this, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately, desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Romans 7 verse 18 says, And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. Yet, God still chooses to love us regardless. Regardless. As we get to know God more and more, we start to see how different his love is. 
God's love is, 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 is massively different from our love, your love, my love. It's countercultural. It, it, it actually goes in the face of what we think God's love should be. 1 Corinthians verses, uh, chapter 13, verses 4 to 8. It, it's, it's like the well-known passage of Scripture used in weddings, and you don't probably use it in funerals. It's probably not a good thing, but in weddings, most definitely, this is something you want in your wedding, okay? It says, love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast. It's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. There's a book by a theologian by the name of Frederick Buechner. It's The book is called The Magnificent Defeat. And it provides a different perspective, really, on the levels of love that we have and that we engage in in our everyday life. He says this, The love for those who are equal to us in our human thing, okay, is a human thing. Uh, the love of a friend for a friend or a brother for a, fr- uh, a brother, it is, to, uh, it is to love what is loving and lovely. The world smiles. He goes on to say, The love for the less fortunate is a beautiful thing. The love for those who suffer, for those who are poor, the sick, the failures, the unlovely, this is compassion and it touches the heart of the world. He says that there is also a love for the fortunate, but it's a rare thing. To those who succeed where we fail, to rejoice without envy with those who rejoice, the love of the poor for the rich. The world is always bewildered by this sort of a love. And then there is the love for an enemy. Love for the one who does not love you, but mocks, threatens, and inflicts pain. The tortured's love for the torturer. This is God's love, and it conquers the world. It's this God type of love that reveals to us just how big and inclusive God's love actually is. God even loves his enemies. It's the most challenging and courageous love of all is loving our enemies. Jesus is standing before a crowd of people, and he's talking to them, and he says this, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And I've got to think that if I was standing in that crowd, I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding. Seriously? Really? You want me to love my enemies? Jesus is asking us to love the people who do us harm. It's impossible, we say. But is it? Is it actually impossible to love our enemies? See, history tells us stories and gives us examples of people who are making that kind of a sacrifice to obey the teaching that Jesus sells about loving our enemies. There have been martyrs through the centuries. And it's interesting that John and Liz are here today who support the, uh, the martyrs around the world through the Bible Society and Bible League stuff. Holocaust prisoners, the underground church in China, 
Muslim converts to Christianity, and others with less dramatic stories of this sacrificial type of love. Author and speaker Bob Goff encourages us to love everyone always. Simply start with the ones we just don't get. You know the ones. Look at the person next to you and simply say, are you one of those? The people we just don't get. You, you, you know the ones. You, you, as soon as I said that, you, you had someone come to mind. They might live down the street. You might be working in the same office with them. They might be sitting on the same row as you. You just don't get them, but love them anyway. This may be a less intimidating way to think about loving our enemies. Pastor Francis Chan says this. He challenges us this way. He says, there has to be more to our faith than friendliness, politeness, and even kindness. True faith is is loving a person after they've hurt us. No. And here comes the challenge. Are you ready for the challenge? October the 2nd, 2006, was a dark day for the Amish community of nickel mines in Pennsylvania. That morning, a local milkman named Charles Carl Roberts barricaded himself inside the West Nickel Mine Amish Amish School. He was armed with three guns, with knives, and over 600 rounds of ammunition. When police attempted to intervene less than a half an hour later, Roberts opened fire on 11 of those girls in that classroom, all less than 14 years of age, killing five of them, and then he committed suicide. It was a dark hour, but as more news became available in the days that followed, a new story began to emerge, one full of courage, faith, and love. According to, the two, to two of the survivors, when 13-year-old Marie Fisher uh, began to understand what Charles Carl Roberts intended to do, she made this request of the gunman. She said, shoot me first and let the other ones go. As the oldest child in the group, she hoped that her death might somehow spare the other children or provide more time for them to be rescued. Immediately after she said this, Marie's youngest sister, Barbie, added, you can shoot me second if it's going to save some of these kids. News of the girl's bravery and sacrificial love impacted millions across that country of the United States and the world. But according to a local midwife close to the family of the two girls, their faith also affected their attacker. Because he said to them, he asked them, he he asked them to pray for him. And this, this midwife said, I think it's amazing. He recognized that they had something that he didn't, and he wanted it. On the day of the shooting, a grandfather of one of the murdered Amish girls was heard warning some young relatives not to hate the killer, saying, we must not think evil of this man. Another Amish father noted he had a mother and a wife and a soul, and now he's standing before a just God. A Roberts family spokesman said an Amish neighbor comforted the Roberts family for hours after the shooting and extended forgiveness 
to the family. The Amish community members visited and comforted Roberts's widow, the parents and the parents-in-law. One Amish man held Roberts's sobbing father in his arms, reportedly for as long as an hour, simply to comfort him. The Amish have also set up a charitable fund for the family of the person who shot their children. About 30 members of the Amish community attended Robert's funeral. Marie Roberts wrote an open letter to the Amish neighbors, thanking them for their forgiveness, their grace, and their mercy. She wrote, Your love for our family has helped to provide the healing we so desperately need. Gifts that you've given have touched our hearts in a way that no words can describe. Your compassion has reached beyond our family, beyond our community, and is changing the world. And for this, we sincerely thank you. I'm not sure I could do what they did. I know that people outside of the Amish community actually shunned the gunman's family because of what he'd done. And they attributed to what he'd done to the family and treated them like pariahs within their community. Most of us don't directly experience dramatic tragedies or evil, but we do experience conflict and internal resistance when we engage in conversation with people whose beliefs or worldviews are opposed or different to ours. We have a simple choice to make, church, in these conversations that we have. We can choose to love people who have a different opinion to us. We can listen to them and seek to understand, or we can devalue them and create an enemy. I don't know about you, but I think that the Christian world has done more harm by trying to tell everybody how they need to fix their life and how they need to live rather than going to the people that are in their community saying, help me to understand what's going on in your world right now. How can I engage with you? How can I add value to this person? Rather than telling them about all that's wrong in their lives and how they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. We actually create and start to build a wall when we do that rather than building a bridge by asking questions and seeking to understand where they're coming from in their world. How many more hearts would be softened if people recognize that we're genuinely interested to want to know why they are how they are. We, we want to invest in their world. We want to, 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 like Naomi says, we see something in them of great value and great potential. We want to, to maybe add to that and maybe draw that out and understand why they have a different worldview from us. We must be willing to engage and be able to have a constructive conversation with those who disagree with what we believe. How can we love someone that we don't know or understand? It is only by God's love filling us and enabling us that we will be able to freely love our neighbor, our less fortunate neighbor, neighbor, and more fortunate neighbor, and even our adversarial neighbor. Australia is poised at this moment in its history to have a vote on same-sex marriage. It's poised for this. 
Now, hear me really clear this morning, okay? I do not agree with same-sex marriage. But unless Christ followers think about this lovingly and carefully, we stand ready to build a wall that will separate us and never give us an ability to be able to speak into someone's world, or are we going to build a bridge that actually helps us and them to engage in a free conversation where it's okay to disagree? I'm not saying I agree with their lifestyle, but we've got to love them. We have got to love them. We have got to love them. And that means entering their world and seeking to understand what's happening in their world, what's happening in their lives, so that we can add value to them. This is something that you're going to hear more about at the IC team night if you come out and hear John Maxwell. You see... My makeup is I look for points of connection. I deliberately look for a point of connection. I look for a commonality between me and someone that I'm meeting for a first time or second time. I look for a point. Okay, how can I connect with this person? I'm, I'm really strategic about that. I remember going to visit a, uh, one of our youth uh, that was uh, only just coming, uh, started coming along, really like nominal Christian maybe. So I needed to go and talk to his parents about an issue. I don't remember what the issue was. But as I'm walking across the front lawn of this, this house, I see that on the front veranda there are fishing rods. I'm thinking, here's my point of connection right here. So I started to talk and have a great conversation with the parents, in particular the father, about fishing. And then I transitioned into being able to talk about what I need to talk about with the family. We, you know, we've got to start looking for the points of connection and give ourselves 100% to be able to build the, the relationship from that point because of a commonality that we have. But what Christians have done, is look for the point of disagreement, that one point that we're going to disagree on, and then give 100% of their focus to that one point of disagreement. It is this unconditional love that will distinguish us as a follower of Christ who lives counter to the cultural norm. We've got to be different from everybody else. So the question that we have is, do we have to be good for God to love us? No. God loves us unconditionally, unfailingly, and eternally. Romans 5.8 says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. The Passion Translation says it this way, but Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. We don't have to be good for God to love us. The greater challenge comes in us loving those who aren't good to us, those who believe different and live different from us. That might give you cause to say, well, what sort of love is this? It's the agape kind. It's the agape love, A-G-A-P-E. It's a Greek word. It means uh, it's a selfless, sacrificial, unconditional 
love. It's the greatest of all the loves that the Bible talks about. It's the God kind of love. It's, it's a term that defines God's immeasurable, incomparable love for mankind. It is his ongoing, outgoing, self-sacrificing concern for lost and fallen people. God gives this love without condition and unreservedly to those who are undeserving and inferior to himself. And I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but that included me. I'm going to suggest just, just might have included you. So how much does God love us? Well, 1 John 4, 9 says, God showed how much he loved us by sending us his son, his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. How much does God love us? There's no greater love than the love of God. John 15, verses 13 to 14 says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. If this is how much God loves us, is there anything that can stop him from loving us? What a great question. Is there anything that we can do, anything that we can say that ever going to stop God's loving us? Romans 8 verses 35 to 37 says this. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loved us. There is nothing that can stop God loving you. You can never be bad enough, hard enough, horrible enough, smelly enough. There is nothing that you can do to stop God loving you. Like I said before, Jeremiah 31 verse 3. Long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I've loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. A love without end. We may fail, but God's love doesn't. As a believer in Christ, I truly believe that nothing can separate us from God's love. There are many times that I personally have abused God's grace, but he still continued to love me. There have been many times when my actions and my emotions have gotten the better of me, but God has never stopped trying to hold my hand in this journey. Many see God in an abusive way because of the pain of the human relationships that we all have. Some of us have made mistakes along the way. People have hurt us along the way. We've made mistakes along the way, and we've hurt other people in that journey as well. Perhaps we've been spiritually or physically or emotionally abused. I want to say to you this morning that God is not an abuser. I remember Jane helping our kids learn how to walk as babies. Often they would fall down and then just revert back to crawling on the floor. Not once, not once did Jane ever say, I hate you, you stupid child. You're never going to learn anything. I don't love you anymore. Instead, what I did here was this. You're all right. You're going to get there. Try again. I love you. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. And you can do this. I'm going to help you. I'm going to support you. See, we're God's children. And we need to know that he is trying to teach us to walk with him. And when we stumble or fall short, he's not going to kick us out or disown us. He's not going to say to you, you're no longer my child because you've stumbled, because you've fallen. Instead, God picks us up and says, you're my child, keep going. 
I'll keep walking with you and nothing can separate you from the love that I have for you. My love is unstoppable and I'll never stop loving you no matter how dirty you think you are. That is my love for you. There is so much to the love of God that we'll never understand it or comprehend it. And if God loves us and his love is not based on our behavior, if he loves us so much and with no conditions, always, why does God love me? And that, folks, is for two weeks' time when I come back and I'll talk to you about it then. Let's stand. Next Sunday, we've got a great speaker in young Luke Skywalker, I mean, Phelan, <laughs> who's going to be talking to us as a church. I'm looking forward to hearing what Luke's going to share. I think it'll be great. So then the Sunday after that, I will finish off this message. I feel a tug to our community. There's a big yank on my heart. And prayer in my heart for a while now is, Lord, help me to love people like you love them. Because right now I don't. If I'm brutally honest, there are some I could care less about. But that's not how God thinks, and that's not how God sees them. So I know that my heart has got to align with God's heart. And I'm asking for a shift in my life and in my heart to be aligned with how God sees our world. And that's why I'm, I'm doing everything that I can to engage with our community. I'm engaging now on three fronts. Through the park run, through the four-wheel drive club, and this week I've been accepted into the Mount Barker business group just to shine the light of Jesus, to have a presence within the business community. There are places that you only can connect with. It's in your workplace, it's with the interests that you have and things that fill your tank. I love what Sarah does with the Nature Playgroup and with the Connections Playgroup. She has an, an amazing ability to connect with people in the playgroup. If you have a heart for connecting with young families, with kids, talk to Sarah. She needs help with the Connections Playgroup. And with the, the nature play group. She needs help. If you're able to look after the kids while they set up. That's a huge help for Sarah. There are things that we can do. God has placed us in our world. In our communities. Strategically. Because you're the one that's able to best reach those people. I had some great conversations yesterday at the park run after we'd finished and I managed to get my heart rate back under 3,000. 
I've had some great conversations with the four-wheel drive club. And I know that I'm going to have some great conversations in the business group too. I'm not going there with the view of bringing correction in the way that they need to live their lives. I'm going to go there with questions. How are you today? No, no. How are you really? What's going on in your world? What's happening in your part of the community? What's happening with your business? How's your car going? There are people that are waiting for us to ask questions so that they can see that we genuinely care and add value to them. Because there are people, just like Naomi said, that never have anyone say, I'm proud of you. Heavenly Father, I pray for us as your people and those who listen to this podcast. I ask you, Lord, to transform our hearts that we see our world as you see your world. To feel for the people that we walk with and talk with, whether it's an interaction at the shops, whether it's at the service station, whether it's in our workplace, whether it's in our schools. Help us to ask questions rather than to tell people what all they're doing wrong. Forgive us, Father for thinking that we know it all and have all the answers because we don't. Father, I ask you that in the name of Jesus, do a a heart transplant within each and every one of us. Transform us by the power of your spirit and by your word. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you help us to connect this world with your love? Somehow, this week, in Jesus' wonderful name. Just as every head's bowed, um, I know that we've got some people that are visiting today and maybe you've heard about the love of God and you didn't realise that God loves you so much. Maybe you didn't realise how unconditionally he loves you. That he's not waiting for you to get clean so that you can come to him. He just wants you to come to him and he'll make you clean. And you've never experienced this before. You've never asked God to be your Lord. You never asked him to come into your world, come into your life, come into your heart so that you can give him all of yourself. But this morning you feel like that's something you need to do. If you want to do that this morning, Just put your hand up. I'd love to pray with you. Is anyone here this morning that just wants to, for the first time, you want to give your heart to God? Just put your hand up right now, nice and tall, so that I can see it. Anyone? Father, I thank you for your people. Touch and bless them in Jesus' name. Amen.